Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 151 of the IA Cast. All right, with me this week, I have a new group of folks, except for this guy. First off, Jason Earls. Hello, everyone. Uh, we have Taylor Arndt. Hello, everybody. And Jim Barber. Hello, hello, everyone. All right, so uh, I hope everybody has had a good Thanksgiving. Did uh, you got, did uh, Jason, what did you guys do for Thanksgiving? Um, we didn't really do a lot for Thanksgiving. We had made some things and we gave um my girlfriend's mom and brother some stuff that we made and then i had made a joke about pizza um and so it turned into me actually getting leftover pizza from <laughs> the place that they had gone to because it was really good it was called magoo's and uh so i had you know the stuff we made plus pizza for thanksgiving and i was kind of okay with it <laughs> so <laughs> it's pretty much nice. what we did uh taylor did you get to spend any time with your family uh, yeah, so I um, I went home uh, since I lived pretty close to my family. Uh, they picked me up, and I uh, went. I left on Wednesday night, and I came back Thursday night because I had a lot of stuff to do, and I had some Black Friday shopping. So uh, nice. I did that, and I went back home to the apartment, and then I did some Black Friday shopping on Friday, got some stuff, got some uh, educational uh, products, uh, which I may talk about later. And yeah, so it was pretty good. Hey, had some turkey, had some, actually we had ham. Um, so we did that. And then we also had uh, some dessert. My sister made some cheesecake and it was really good. So yeah, it was a fun gathering. We only had about five or six people because of the COVID restrictions in Michigan, but it was really fun regardless. Nice. And what about you, Jim? Did y'all, uh, your, your family or anybody do anything for Thanksgiving? I of my close friends and I gathered and ate enough food for about 15. We, we, every, everyone cooked some stuff and we Ubered or walked to one person's house and found out that we had tons of food. So we had an awesome Thanksgiving. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Nice. I spent uh, Thanksgiving with uh, uh, my mother. She came and picked me up from the Houston area. So we all uh, ate a lot of food, way too much food. And then on my birthday, I went to Olive Garden and ate again way too much food. And so it was a fun week. So um, it was it was a very different Thanksgiving, I'm sure, for everybody. But uh, hopefully next year we will have a different situation that, you know, is more familiar. But, uh, you know, to something that's a little more exciting, did, any, uh, did anybody buy any... Uh, Black Friday uh, deals, Jason. Did you? No, the only thing we really bought recently was a was a new toaster oven, <laughs> because you know that's exciting. I wanted to buy some things, but you know, gotta watch what we're spending at the moment because of the restrictions and everything that's going on. So, saw some great deals though. I bought a pair of Beats headphones, which I'm looking forward to trying out. They arrived today, but I haven't played with them yet. That's all I've gotten. Taylor, did you buy anything interesting? Um, so yes, I bought some uh, office equipment for my business. So I don't know if you call that interesting, but it's uh, essential. <laughs> uh, more specifically, I bought a scanner uh, because I needed 
a lot of papers scanned and then I'll probably use uh, Perspective AI, this awesome app to uh, recognize all of these uh, paperwork. So yeah, I got it for a pretty good deal. And then I also bought some other products, uh, really nothing for myself per se, a lot more business oriented things. I didn't really need anything for myself, but um, I bought some other uh, essentials for the business, but my main thing was some office equipment. Also free plug. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh All I really bought, I was uh, looking for a game that I'd seen some YouTube videos about. So uh, Xbox is doing a huge like 50 to 70% off sale on games. Uh, so I bought a, uh, a game for like $11 when it was usually like 30 or $40. Nice. Like, That's a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and we'll share this in the, uh, uh, in the show notes, but there is a new mod for Minecraft, the Java edition for Minecraft that really has gone a long way to making Minecraft accessible. And, it's basically somebody has made a mod that when you point your crosshairs at a block, it will read out using text-to-speech what you're looking at. That's pretty cool. That's um, very cool. Yeah. Does it, does it rely on the screen reader to do that, or is it all self-voicing? I think it uh, is all self-voicing. It uses um, Microsoft uh, uh, Speech API. Uh, the, the demo showed it with, uh, I think it's David. Okay. Uh, yeah. David. yeah, it's David. Yeah. And, I saw the uh, video as well, and it's pretty yeah. exciting. It's really neat. I mean, person shared it on, uh, it's on YouTube, so we'll have it on, uh, on, on the show notes. Really exciting stuff. It's really cool that, you know, we did a demo cast kind of talking about possibilities of making Minecraft accessible. And they, the person that did it uh, did a lot of the things uh, that was talked about. And uh, it's just really cool that, uh, you know, games in general, you know, the Xbox One, um, I play a game called Fantasy Star Online 2. The game was made in like uh, 2012, 2011. And so it does not work well with some of the Windows 10 features for like it takes over the mouse, which a lot of games don't do anymore. They rely on newer technologies but since this game was so old it didn't and and what's really neat is that on xbox they don't have that option it's still xbox one is xbox one so magnifier and narrator still work inside the game if it can get text for narrator that's one thing but for magnifier for me um i can magnify that game where i whereas i can't in windows so uh the switch has magnification support and it's just really cool where we're going for gaming and accessibility. So I'm, I'm just really excited about, uh, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I had, a, I had another question about the, um, uh, about Minecraft, which is you had mentioned to me privately before we had this conversation that there were problems with depth. And I was wondering how much those problems are getting in the way of being able to do actual gameplay on Minecraft? Uh, you know, I think if you're totally blind, <clears throat> there, you know, the problem is that, you know, you would not be able to know how far you're going to fall because there are, like I'm playing on a map right now where 
you could just be walking and there's a chasm that if you fall down it you will instantly die and so oh, i think that's one of the things that is being worked on uh but this is a great start but where this is really a benefit and anybody can play minecraft that's totally blind in this case is creative mode where you can't die it allows you to be able to create these things without worrying about uh fall damage or monsters coming out and and getting you um, the creative mode will allow you to create whatever you want and there's all kinds of worlds and different things i actually well you know that was another thing i got i got the uh, they have a star wars mashup with minecraft where you could actually walk through different places in star wars history but minecraft so it's kind of neat yeah that actually sounds like it'd be really fun to play um and i agree you know we are definitely living in a a very interesting time in the gaming industry and seeing some of the developments that are being made. Like, I think there's a company, and may have mentioned this on an earlier show, I don't remember, but I think they're called Naughty Dog, and they make um, The Last of Us games. And I guess The Last of Us 2 has really had a lot of um, thought and good implementations for accessibility. I haven't played it, but I have, you know, read a lot of articles talking about it, and they seem to have a lot to say about it, and a lot of what I hear seems to be really good, so hopefully that will uh, inspire, you know, continue to, exp continue to inspire other developers to, um, you know, keep up the efforts, keep up the, keep up the thought, because all it's going to do is open up their, uh, widen their gaming audience, so. And there is talk in the chat that the creator of the Accessible Minecraft, uh, a mod is working on an NVDA add-on and does not like the self-voicing. So that's really cool. At this point, I want to go ahead and uh, talk about something that Taylor mentioned earlier, and that is our app, Perspective AI. This is our kind of our ad part of our, seg our, our, our podcast. It's a segment where we talk about eye accessibility stuff. And I wanted to mention that uh, it's still in beta. This app is an app that will let you... Uh, scan text that's uh, basically on your that you can see through your camera on your phone and it will turn it into uh, it'll OCR that text and make it to where your screen reader or whatever can read it you could then save it share it or do whatever you want with the text uh, I will be adding PDF support uh, probably today to the beta and we will put the link to that in our show notes as well so uh, Perspective AI is a uh, new app that I'm working on, and uh, we are always looking for new beta testers. So please sign up, and we will uh, build an awesome OCR app. We have a WhatsApp group where we even discuss uh, ways to improve the app. We've uh, talked about the PDF support in that group uh, this weekend. So uh, it's an awesome app. Uh, and really and truthfully, I don't make the OCR, Apple makes it. So it's using the Apple Vision framework, which really does an amazing job. And so the goal of this app is to bring your phone's perspective to uh, you, the user, so that you can get the most from uh, what your phone is showing you. So this technology is used in like voiceover where it uses screen and image recognition. And uh, it's also in the, uh, I believe some of this is in the camera app we'll recognize certain things. We want to bring face detection and all that stuff to Perspective AI. So it will be an, an amazing app once it's done. On to our main topic for today. And 
I, I feel like this is something, you know, we have topics that we bring up that keep coming up. And that is the topic of security. And I'll, I'll tell the story of what happened to us this week. Um, one weak link can bring down anything. And I'll be curious if you, Jim and Taylor, uh, if you guys have anything uh, that comes close to what I'm going to tell. But uh, the story is that I was off this week. I was on vacation. And all of a sudden, Taylor lets me know on Monday, our server is down. And I'm like, okay, let's see what the problem is. So I go look, and there's nothing. The server's not responding. No, nothing. Nothing's going on. I'm like, okay, I'll go open up the Linode app on my phone and see what's going on. So I opened up the app, and I thought, okay, something's wrong with Linode. They're not showing me any Linodes. <laughs> I thought, okay, let me just go on the website. No Linodes. Hold on. What's going on? And at this point, I'm sitting there in a sweat like, oh, my God, what happened? So long story short, somebody was able to gain access to my Linode account and was able to delete all of our Linodes, every last one of them. And I don't remember this being there, but that now Linode does have two-factor authentication, so MFA, which I had not seen before. Promptly, that has been turned on. <laughs> um, but the truth of the matter is, is that uh, if you know we were, we've looked for attacks through our websites, our server. We had backups of our server on the server itself and through Linode, they managed to get in and to break our security just by logging into my one Linode account. And what we think happened was we had uh, our main domain renewed, and right as it renewed, we get this attack. So we think it was somebody trying to grab our domain and not being able to do so. Fortunately, Linode keeps backups of all of their Linodes that are deleted for a certain amount of time. So we were able to bring everything back online within hours. So um, it's just a, we even got some of our IPs back too. Not the main one we needed, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's what made the uh, restart process take a while. But, you know, there's so many ways that hackers can get into your, your systems. And this, you know, this is just our story, but it goes even further. It could be anything. It could be just your password to uh, your work account or your school account. So, you know, today's episode, we want to kind of talk about some good ways of staying secure. But before I do that, I, if y'all can share, if you have any stories that are as catastrophic as this, do you guys uh, on the panel here have anything that has closely, you know, happened that to that magnitude. Does it count if I did it to myself? <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, why I not? actually. Well, actually, I've I've shared that story before. It was when I told my Mac to reformat itself. But you know, I actually today I was looking at my uh, my WhatsApp um, security options and saw some interesting things. I've apparently had documents and photos and things set to download and. 
um, automatically and I had it set so that anyone could add me into a group and so I've gone in and pretty much changed most of those options to contacts only and I was trying to set a security pen that I would have to re-enter um, when I tried to authorize a new number to WhatsApp or authorize a new phone to WhatsApp as opposed to it just doing it. That part I couldn't do but it really got me thinking about you know my other accounts and security measures that I may or may not have in place on them though. You know I am um, I have worked for large enterprise companies. I work for Google and Yahoo and Qualcomm and all of them I have gone through various security attacks. Um luckily luckily I wasn't the primary person who had to uh lead the defense effort, but I've I've been one of the team players and it's always chaotic and it's always scary and it always feels like what the hell is going on? Someone is trying to attack us, right? This is a very disorienting kind of feeling. And, um, all, you know, I, all I can say is is that being prepared for attacks, you know, if, if you are someone who is managing websites or is managing, you know, a target, basically, being prepared for attacks is, is, is very important. When we're talking about your personal data, um, following advice of, of security experts about not using the same password everywhere, or storing your passwords in a, in a management system, using two-factor authentication, being aware of the value of the information that you have stored in various places, right? Like not storing not storing valuable information like Google Docs <laughs> um, are, 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 are important things to do when you're talking about protecting your personal data. In terms of me, uh, I've had a couple instances. My most recent one was I was on my last job. Uh, it was pretty much the day before I was going to depart. Um, and basically, uh, somebody had decided to get a hold of our email password. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't as catastrophic as what we had happened earlier this week on the iAccessibility server. But still, uh, you don't really want somebody to get in a hold of our work email account with all of our work data in them. And nothing really, thank goodness, uh, I haven't really had anything with personal, but that's because my personal security, um, I follow a lot of best practices to factor authentication, unique passwords on each website, you know, all of the best security measures. So that way I can make sure that my personal data is safe. But regardless, even if it's a hack on, you know, personal or work, it's not fun. There's several ways that you can, you can uh, work with that. And to secure what you have. And there's even a website where you could go and look and see before you even set a password. You can, it's uh, called uh, Have I Been Pwned? And I know that my generic password that I've been using for years is one of the breached passwords. And so that means anything with a variant of that password has to be removed. And, you know, I know a lot of people out there that do use generic passwords, even if they are, um, you know, eight characters. Uh, that used to be okay to use an eight-character password. It's not anymore. You have to use more complicated passwords. And that website, Have I Been Pwned, is amazing for finding out uh, what passwords have been hacked. And I'm pretty sure that it's been managed or taken or ran by one password now because I see their ads all over that website. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I've used it personally so, myself. So that will be in the show notes, um, which brings me to, you know, a few apps that are wonderful. Um, I really like one password. What uh, password managers do you, uh, Jason, do you use one, a password manager? 
At the risk of getting kicked off the show and screamed at and left bloodied and bruised in some random <laughs> gutter, um, I, because I'm in Apple's ecosystem most of the time, I tend to use Safaris, but I definitely do have some sites that I need to I should go in and change my password because I have used the same password in multiple places. And a lot of it stemmed from my Windows days and not knowing about password managers. And, you know, that and a combination of just being too lazy to do anything about it, which is terrible. And I completely understand the risks. Yet I do it anyway. But I really do need to, to start relying on things like that more. In places where I use my personal passwords, um, I use one password. Um, actually, I, I should back up and say that a lot of my passwords are in fact kept in in the in the in you know in the iPhone Safari keychain. Um, um, but I also have one password where I keep a lot of personal passwords for enterprise level stuff that I have to worry about. I try very hard not to have passwords. I try very hard to use certificates and other things to avoid actually having things I need to type at a, at a keyboard. Um, some places I use one-time passwords, which is where you have a device that generates a one-time password and it's synced up with, you know, a piece of software running on the web server. And so you have a unique password and it has the same unique password and you can use that to log in. Um, so I like one password as a, as a, as a personal organizational system. And I think it's pretty secure for that. Um, but for enterprise level stuff, I try very hard to, to use certificates and other kinds of of um, secrets that the server knows about, rather than the things I have to write down and or or you know put somewhere and then go find in order to get in. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I started off using LastPass, which is another password manager, and um, I used that for I would say a year and a half. And I just recently switched to 1Password. And I'm going to quick give an overview because we probably really haven't talked about, you know, what these actually do. So uh, with LastPass, um, I had the free version uh, just because I really didn't know any better. At least I knew better to have a password manager, but that uh, one, sorry, LastPass was the one that all of my friends recommended, my uh, sighted friends. And LastPass isn't horrible. Um, you know, it's pretty good, but in terms of accessibility, it has a little bit uh, to be desired uh, in some places. And um, so LastPass basically was uh, my password manager of choice for about a year and a half. And then recently I just switched to 1Password and I really like it um, because it's really easy to use and it's accessible. Um, and yeah, it just, it really, it just works. And in terms of like my client passwords uh, and because I run my own business, I have a one password vault, which is basically a separate like area for storing passwords. So uh, one password comes like with a personal vault and then you can kind of make vaults. So that's kind of how I separate my different client stuff for the uh, client passwords versus personal. That way, for example, I have some clients where I may have to get rid of the passwords if I am no longer working there. So I can just go through and get rid of them really quickly. So it's all about efficiency. And yeah, so one password is really great. And that is what I have been using for the past two months now, I'd say. Isn't there a standard that like 
Google and Apple or somebody's working on that would allow you to use authentication methods of your device, sort of like one of those USB security keys to log into apps and websites. So like somebody might be able to use, say, Face ID on the iPhone in order to log into things. Has anybody heard of this? I haven't. Uh, no, I mean, it's similar to like how like Microsoft Authenticator just lets you, it says, do you want to authenticate, approve, or deny? Um, and Duo Security does similar things, but uh, I don't know that there's anything that's replaced passwords with that yet. Well, I don't yes. think it's I don't think it's actually here yet. But I seem to remember reading something that it was being worked on or something. If I can find a link to it, I will definitely put it in the show notes because I personally would like <laughs> having something like that. I think that there are YubiKey. Uh, emulators that uh, that people are working on to do this. And YubiKey is basically a authentication device that lives on a pen drive and you plug it into your computer and then uh, the client on your computer reads the key and it communicates some secret up to the server and you can get in that way. And I suspect that they're working on putting stuff like that on your phone. I don't know. The, I, the problem always comes down to what happens if someone gets my phone um, so and, until Apple was putting it in the uh, in the secure vault, like where my where my credit cards and stuff live, I'm not going to feel very uh, very secure about it. So I think it's interesting research, but I think I'd be careful using it until I felt like the the vendors had really adopted it and treated it, you know, the way it needs to be treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I use One Password. I've really been using the iCloud Keychain uh, the most because it's just kind of there. It's built into the Mac. Uh, the problem is when you go between computers and you use Windows and you go back to the Mac, it's just I need to switch over to 1Password from iCloud. But, uh, you know, the nice thing is both of these platforms generate 24-character passwords, and you don't even have to remember what they are as mm-hmm. long as you can transfer that between platforms when you need it right? That's the important key is having that password when you need it, because some of those passwords you're not going to remember. No. And so it's, it's great that we have these tools. It's just, are you going to have it available where you need it? Yeah. And that's where something like KeePass, which is a um, open source key password manager, where you, it's kind of like a local password manager where it's basically on your computer that's great you know it's most pretty much the most secure option however it's not great if you need to be on your iphone it's for your iphone and you know other devices it is really bad because you have to find a way to sync your passwords which may include using a cloud storage service like dropbox or google drive to store all your passwords to bring it back and forth which is just not ideal i mean you could put it on your web server but then you have to make sure your website is secure mm-hmm. and that's just a lot more hard well, not a little, not a little more harder, but it's a lot harder for an average person. And if we're talking about having security for an average consumer, that you know the key pass is just not ideal. Uh, there's also something called Bitwarden. Uh, same thing. I think Taylor brings up a really good point here, which is there's a, a lot of you know quick and dirty analysis that people should do about how. Uh, you know, how likely are they to be a target, right? How, how likely is someone to go after their, you know, pictures of their kids and, uh, you know, other, other information that they have stored in the world? 
um, and how hard do they want to work to protect that? 24 character passwords almost certainly require one password or some other kind of password manager, which requires extra moving parts, um, which is something I'm willing to do because my career relies on it and I have data I really want to protect. But I think a lot of people aren't. And so there really is this need to find a middle ground of what do you do to kind of help people protect themselves without making it so overwhelming that mm. they just sort of run away from it. Um, and I really think, um, you know, trying to have one one password per per site that has some kind of, out, you know, some kind of out heuristic that you know about. So, you know, maybe it's the first three letters of the website and then your zip code when you were eight or, you know, other kinds of things like that that you can do. So that the passwords are not the same. I, I feel like um, it's one of the hardest things to do in in the security space is to solve really difficult security problems for enterprise but then come up with reasonable middle-of-the-road solutions for, uh, you know, most consumers that offer them a fair amount of protection uh, and aren't too intimidating. Everybody has to figure out what works best for, for them. The one thing that we can all agree on and, and that's very important is make sure you have a strategy. Make sure you have a way of, of keeping your thing, your stuff secure. And I would even say, and y'all, I don't know if y'all agree with me, change it up every few months, every three to six months. I mean, I know on the enterprise level, we have to change our passwords, you know, every, you know, uh, 90 days or whatever it is. Uh, so <clears throat> even at home, uh, every three to six months is important, wouldn't y'all say? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm actually not a big fan of that. Um, I mean, I've, I've worked at enterprises that do it too. The problem is, is that if you're changing your password every three to six months, you're writing it down. Um, especially if you're not using it every day because it, it changes too quickly for it to become cemented in your brain. And so if you're writing it down, then you're using, a, you know, you're hopefully you're doing it securely in, in a one password vault or something like that. I think it makes much more sense to pick strong, hard to crack passwords and then stick with them than it is to force people to change passwords. And now, I of course, if your password has been hacked in some way, right? If you go to have I been pwned and you see that your password has shown up, I think that's I think I think that's another way to kind of be prudent. Sorry, I interrupted you, Michael. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I I totally agree with you because I have my work computer for my day job. I have my work computer. I have an iPhone, and so I also have um, for our uh, website. We have a, a password that has certain criteria. We have our computer login has a certain criteria that has to be met. And our iPhones have yet another criteria that have to be met. Mm -hmm. And each of those has to be changed every 90 days. And one time I locked myself out of my work iPhone because I just could not remember. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of why we see, uh, and, you know, including myself, people using uh, the same password on multiple websites because eventually it gets to a point where you just can't keep up with it now. I mean, if you sit and think about how many things that we do online, whether it's essential, whether it's, you know, for pleasure, entertainment, you know, whether it's for, um, you know, work, just how many online accounts we have to keep track of nowadays. And it's getting worse. It's not getting better. I mean, that's why we have, why we have things like 1Password and those kind right. of tools. But at the same time, uh, you know, what happens is a lot of folks that are, you know, uh, I could tell you 
I have family members, they couldn't remember their one password master password if they had mm -hmm. to keep one. And so they'd lose all their passwords or they wouldn't be able to remember um, their iCloud account. And, uh, you know, no matter what you do, it's becoming so complicated that you're going to see people not be able to remember and they're going to be spending more time trying to recover their accounts. And so I think there's no, there's no, this is a way that you do this for everyone kind of a solution. It, it's really a find what works best for you and, uh, you know, change it up every now and then and find out, you know, and make sure that you stay unique, but also don't, don't go overboard with it on the personal level. What, what do y'all agree? Uh, yeah. And um, something else to add to about password related things is that another uh, tip, I guess I failed to mention this earlier. What you could also do is you could also write like a sentence, you know, so like as a password or common, like a phrase that you may remember, you know, so that way it's less hard to, hard to crack because it's a sentence rather than, you know, a string of characters like, you know, I don't know, password one, two, three, never, ever, ever use that password. But, you know, if you have a, like a sentence, you know. Ooh. Can I yeah. use, can I use, can I use shut up Jason 1234? Uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, but you know, if you have like a sentence, like, um, you know, for example, I don't know, Taylor asked Jason, uh, to, um, to edit this podcast. I don't know, something really random, but just, you know, as, a, as another, you know, if you could have like a random, a sentence that you could remember, you know, associate with each website, you know, that could be another option uh, for, you know, the common consumer. It's all what works for you. One of the things I like to tell people to do is um, to think of a secret. Just think of a secret that you, that you keep to yourself. And then think about it in terms of, um, like Taylor was saying, in terms of a sentence or two. And then take, you know, the first letter of the words of those, of those sentences and put them all together and then add a number to it or, you know, I, I don't want to make, I do not want to overcomplicate it and I want to make it fun. So make it a puzzle, right? Think of a secret that you know about and then do a little tweaking to it. And then, um, and then, uh, and then the other thing that's really important is to come up with a way to make it unique to each website. So like I said, the first three characters of the website's name or some other thing that you like. Um, and I, I like making it fun for consumers when we talk about, 24 character passwords and we talk about encryption we talk about all these things that just have a techie uh inapproachable nature to them for a lot of for a lot of people and um i like trying really hard to make it fun for them to figure out how to set passwords that are hard to break yeah i actually sold my um my pixel book on a on a website and i actually used a safari suggested password on the website and I had to enter it into Windows and I hadn't really had a need to look at the password because of course when you when you change uh, when you use a suggested password it's going to sync to all of your iCloud keychain devices so if, you know it would have been on my phone it would have been on my iPad and I would just you know face ID and log in and everything but it was really interesting to see what the password was as I of course had to do the fun process of reading it character by character on my phone and entering the windows yeah <laughs> wow but oh man it was still interesting though nonetheless to see what it had assigned me as a secure password now i cannot tell you at all what it was but it's in my phone 
my favorite Wi-Fi password that I've ever seen, period, was uh, somebody that I knew had the password, who ate all the cookies? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. I thought that was great, like, because, you know, it's long. Nobody would have probably thought of it, so. Um, So, you know, that's, and that's really what's important is finding the best approach and what is relatable to you because, you know, the one that I've used for years, I thought was not going to be easily cracked and it's finally been cracked. So, and I even checked uh, this week on have I been pwned and sure enough, it has been pwned. Oh man. So, um, you know, in that situation, you just find a new password and move on and do what you can. Uh, It's important to keep this stuff secure because, you know, identity theft is not just somebody getting your, your ID card or stealing your, your wallet. It's now about your personal data online. What, you know, makes you your digital footprint. So uh, all of those things are very important to keep in mind. Um, And, you know, it's interesting about things like credit card numbers, right? Because those are mostly outside your control. Right. You, I mean, you can certainly lock down your storage of your credit card numbers, but if your credit card gets hacked, it's almost certainly because somebody's database got knocked over um, and, and credit cards were, were taken from the database. Um, and one way I have seen that I really like dealing with this is using one-time credit card numbers. Um, I, know there's a, I know there's a privacy.com is one company that does this and there are probably others. Um, and it's a way of, um, you you basically give them a debit card and you have to sort of trust them <laughs> to to do the right thing with it. But they, they're they're pretty they're pretty easily you know they're pretty easily audited. And then they will give you a credit card number that you can you can you can either use it one time or you can pause it and if you know you can use it when you need it and then and then pause it when you don't need it so no one else can charge to it. Um, it there there are ways to do this that that are securing credit card numbers and this is happening because. Banks are getting really sick of having to carry the the responsibility for you know for credit cards getting hacked, which is which is what's happening now. And so I think for credit card numbers in particular, that is a really good solution. I think it's going to take off. Yeah, that's cool. Even with email addresses, uh, you know, there are sites that I would prefer not to get my email address at. Uh, I think there's a site. Uh, we'll probably put this in the show notes uh, if I get the right name here. It's tempmail.com or .org. And basically what it will do is it will generate you a random email address, you know? So I don't know. One of the email addresses I got one time was like something at Nigel.com or some random email address that the database comes up with. And so these are one-time email addresses and you can use them. You know, if there's websites that you prefer not to give your email address, you can use those instead too. So if you know that a site may not be secure and you don't want to hand that out, uh, that could be another option too, is you could use that to secure an email address. You know, if, especially if you really don't need an email address, they just ask for it. You know, you can go to temp mail, have it generate, and you can copy it to clipboard and just, you know, go for it. Another option there, uh, Apple has their sign in with Apple. Oh yeah, true. And mm-hmm. um, you can specify if you want to give your email address or if you want to uh, give a fake email address or a, or even a temporary email address. And I think they even have it where if you give them the a fake email from Apple, they may even, if you specify, they can send the email to you. They just won't know your email address. But uh, 
Apple Card also, I believe, uh, you can. It does not show a full credit card number on that. You can generate one, I believe. Uh, but okay. it does a lot of that uh, as well, so that you know nobody can see your card number. Uh, ter- machines and terminals don't see it if you use the uh, printed one. So. I think, you know, Apple is going in that direction. I don't know if there's anything like that on the Android front, but... Well, I know Google Pay hides your... Uh, I think it's supposed to hide your, your card number and stuff, too, when you... Google when you Pay and Apple Pay both hide your payment information, right? They they both hide your payment information. What the Apple credit card does is just not to put the number on the card itself, right. um, the number started, stored in the chip. What these temporary credit card numbers do is they allow you to give a different credit card number to each uh, vendor and also to kind of manage them in a way that that lets them like your credit card number can be charged anytime by anybody who happens to get the right number right? Um, right but but these temporary credit cards allow you to kind of pause or do other things so that they you can't charge to them unless you you know it's like oh, okay i have to make my monthly I have to pay my monthly bills so we'll unpause it for a week right so right. i mean they they are adding some some other things. Apple and Google may get into that game, but that they are Apple and Google are trying very hard to instead just hide the credit card numbers from uh, from people who are taking your payments. Um, the only thing about that is that since since Apple for sure, and I'm guessing Google are taking a cut of of those payments somehow, right? They're somehow they're making money on this. They not everyone is going to use them, right? That right. they, they don't they don't work well. For example, for um, I mean, I can use Apple Pay, I guess, to pay friends and family, but I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, but I think somehow um, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I, I think I, you can actually reset the number that it uses if you have an Apple, Apple card. card. I think you can actually go in and tell it to make a new virtual card number. So, oh, is that shocked. true? Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's awesome. I was shocked that our our soda machines at our center even have Apple Pay and. Uh, you know, Square makes a, a reader for Apple Pay and Google Pay, so it's really awesome. Um, all right, so uh, do you guys have any final comments on, on this topic? I think we've gone over a lot of great information this time. I mean, I guess the only thing I could say is at the risk of sounding like Mad Eye Moody, you know, constant vigilance, you know, look over your, your passwords and make sure that if you can, you can turn on two-factor authentication and that you do and, you know, find, if you don't have a solution, try, you know, do some research, you know, and find one that works for you. Um, whether you use primarily iCloud Keychain or a password manager or whatever the solution may be, just just find one. And, you know, it may be a little inconvenient, but it'll be more secure for you in the long run. Yeah, and I would also, um, I, I think vigilance is good. And I think just being aware of where your valuable information is kept is is good, right? I mean, I have I have websites that have usernames and passwords for no particular good reason. And I am perfectly happy to use throwaway passwords on those sites. Um, but, you know, websites that have my credit card information or my home address or other things I care a lot about, they get a different level of, of authentication for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, you know, some, like I said, some sites are more risk, you know, risky than others. I know that in um, 1Password, there's a section that basically if 1Password knows that a site uses two-factor authentication, it will alert you. And then there's also uh, something called Watchtower, where if a password that 
you know that the one password has got compromised, I believe it will notify you. I've never used this feature myself because it hasn't notified me, but I do know that it does exist in yeah, one password and LastPass. I think Safari on the Mac um, and iOS will also do similar things it now. Does. And guess uh -huh. where they get their information from? One password. No. Right, well, have I been pwned? Well, well, yeah, technically one password if they're... <laughs> but yes, have <laughs> I been pwned? And I, I agree with all of that. I mean, it's... Uh, you know, after our hack this week, we're going extra high on the security and oh, even yes. to uh, all the passwords. And I'm even adding uh, two-factor authentication to WordPress. I'd like to find a way to do that with Microsoft Authenticator. Uh, you yes. could do it. With, I know you could do it with Duo Security, uh, which is a different app. Uh, but I'm looking for the Microsoft Authenticator route. Uh, but it's amazing, you know, the options that we have for security, uh, and we just have to use them, folks. We just have to make sure that we get out there and use this stuff, and it's it's just important, and that's why I wanted to share our story with what happened with us this week on this episode, and so that people could be aware of what can happen, and just make sure that you have... Uh, contingency plans for if these things happen with all that being said let's wrap up on a on a better happier note uh jason uh where can people find you online and what is your pick for this week so my pick i just recently got the iphone 12 pro max and <laughs> i really like it and um i mean it's 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 actually interesting because it it reminds me more of my, even though it's bigger, it reminds me more of like my iPhone 5S, my iPhone 4S, more so than the 11 line did because of the curved edges. It kind of feels like a really nice Android phone, sort of. And um, it's it's just, it's super fast. It's got, you know, great battery life. It's interesting seeing what my carrier's 5G network is like or isn't like in some places. Um but uh, but yeah, I I'm uh, I'm enjoying this phone a lot. So good stuff. And as far as where people can find me online, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can search for me on Twitter at JDE. That is Juliet Delta Echo ninety one. I don't post much, but I do exist. And the same is true for Facebook, where you can search for Jason Earls. Um, I do ask that if you add me to social media, that you let me know that you have found me from the IA cast. All right. And next up, uh, Taylor, what is your pick for this week and where can people find you online? Um, so my pick for the week is Perspective AI. Uh, it's really awesome. Like I said, I um, there are certain, you know, there's a lot of other apps out there that can do, you know, sort of a perspective, you know, the same concept. But here's the thing. Here's what differentiates, you know, like I said, not trying to sound like an ad here, but Here's what differentiates, you know, the perspective is that it stays on your device. And well, why is that important? Well, we've been talking about security this whole time. And when we have uh, paperwork, for example, like, uh, you know, LLC financial paperwork, I would prefer not that that information, you know, hopefully that would not get in the cloud. But the only problem is that some apps will put your stuff up in the cloud. So, you know, it's like, well, I have all this information that I need to get It's in an image or even a paper. How am I going to do it? Well, I like perspective because it is all on device. And so I can make sure that my security is being followed because it's going to recognize on device. 
so I can scan the paper and have perspective read it to me. And then I can kind of decide what I want to, you know, do with it, have it recognize it. In terms of where you can find me online, uh, you can uh, hopefully uh, find me producing content for iAccessibility. Uh, this is my first time on the podcast and hopefully I will be back for more. And uh, my email address is taylor at iAccessibility.net. You can also find me on Twitter. Uh, again, I do not post very much at all, um, but that is Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R-A-R-N-D-T uh, underscore 22. And Facebook is Taylor Arndt. Uh, also, um, if you do find me through iAccessibility, please, like I said, send me a note. Uh, that way I know where uh, you have found me from. And yeah, so that is kind of uh, the pick and where you can find me online. And you could also go to my uh, website, taylorart.com, uh, to learn more about me. Also, Taylor, you totally were a perspective ad. It was freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Okay, well, again, I'm not trying to be an advertisement. I mean, I also own my own business, but, you know, that's not what the whole purpose of this is. But, again, when something is really great, it's really worth mentioning because, you know, we're talking about security, and this is one of the best ways, making sure that your data doesn't go to places that it shouldn't. Oh, yeah, definitely. I just have to give you a hard time. You know that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Jim, what about you? What's your pick? And where can people find you? My, my pick for this week is I have a brand new um, iPad Pro 2020, uh, the 11-inch. Uh, I really like it. It, it's, it feels like a good size. The audio is really good. I'm enjoying the, um, the Magic Keyboard and trackpad that it came with. Um, it is proving to be a very nice media consumption device, and also I'm using it to write some documentation. It's it's a I didn't think I had a use for an iPad until I had one, and now I'm finding all kinds of uses for it. So uh, I'm enjoying my new iPad. Uh, you can find me online on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at uh, jbar at jbar. Um, I'm also on Facebook, and and that's pretty much it. The neat thing is, too, you could podcast. You know, we, we moved to using Zoom and YouTube for our podcast. And you could, I mean, if you wanted to, you could plug up like a, a USB microphone, USB-C microphone right to that iPad and, you know, have a splitter or however you could hook up headphones or a headset with a mic. And it would do a great job at being a podcast uh, uh, recording or, you know, that kind of thing device. Nice. So, nice kind of thing device. Yeah. I can't come up with a, nice. a media creation device, yeah. Michael? Yeah. <laughs> Content creation device. That's Content creation. Yeah. I was going to say media creation device, like media creation. <laughs> uh, no, I think, I think that kind of thing device is, 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 is definitely more of an elegant way to say it. Like, I totally want to hear, like, Craig Federighi say that in an Apple keynote or something. You know? <laughs> That'd be kind of... Well, you know, but, you know, Apple does say some weird stuff like scrolls like butter. What is that? I mean, it's butter. It's butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's smooth. <laughs> I still... I mean, it's just like scrolls like butter right in the middle of a keynote. Right? That was funny. Awesome. Somebody, like, put butter on their fingertip and just scroll it around like a prototype <laughs> iPhone or something and be like, yes, this feels like iOS oh scrolling. <laughs> and then go make some toast. <laughs> That is, oh, man. No, 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 Jason. You just had a, you had a, uh, you misspoke there. Uh, make toast is actually an Android programming function, so that's kind of funny. 
Oh. <laughs> is it really, Michael? Yes, there is. What? Um, when you have on Android, when you have messages that come up from the bottom of the screen, they're called toast events. And oh so um, the function to do that is called make toast. What? That's wow. crazy. <laughs> yeah, you can look it up. Yeah. All right. I'll never be able to eat cinnamon toast again. <laughs> <laughs> the same way. Oh, my God. I don't either. Really a real thing. Um, so with all that being said, uh, my pick for this week is a game that uh, I haven't played much of, but it's really fun. Um, I watched some gameplay on YouTube about it. It's a reboot of a franchise called Prey, and it's not made after a book. Totally different thing. And basically, it's on Xbox One. Um, basically, you're on a space station. Uh, they're running experiments with alien technology and fusing it with humans. And uh, you're the manager of this whole project, and you lose your memories. They're doing all these tests, and uh, aliens break out. And it's kind of like this eerie mind game trip through the space station um it's like a first person shooter like i love but it's also kind of messes with your mind kind of the story can go however you want and it's just a really neat game so uh, that's my pick for this week as for where people can find me online you can find me producing content for i accessibility you can email me at mike doeys it's m-i-k-e-d-o-i-s-e at iaccessibility.net i'm mike doeys on twitter if you want to find me on Facebook, I'm Michael Doeys. You could also go to my website at michaeldoeys.com. Uh, I'm all over the web. Just do a search for me. And, uh, yeah, that's. I even have a Tumblr blog that I have not updated in, like, six years. So, oh, man. Uh, but I'm all over, all over the web. Just Google my name. <laughs> <laughs> and so, guys, I think this has been a great episode. I think we've shared a lot of good information um, so we will be back again in two weeks for another episode of the IA cast and hopefully we'll have a much lighter topic to talk about like uh, maybe holiday tech and maybe even I think a cool topic uh, coming up will be some accessible and neat holiday decorations that we can put up and that kind of thing so we'll have to do that one here pretty soon. So uh, we'll see you next time for another IACast episode. And I want to thank everybody that's been here on the stream, everybody in our chat, and everybody that will tune in through uh, podcast and through YouTube. If you like our podcast, please subscribe to our channel. If you uh, can, also turn on notifications and tap the all button so you know that uh, when we go live and when we're, we're streaming. So Please join us again uh, next time for our podcast, and we will have this up in uh, a week on, uh, on all the podcast places. So thank you so much for being with us, and we'll see you next time. Yep. And also, please do send toast, people. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right. Bye, guys. Nice. Bye. Bye, everyone. This show has been brought to you by the IACast Network. We love hearing from you. Email us at feedback at iaccessibility.net. Got Twitter? Follow us at iaccessibility1. Facebook? Search for iaccessibility. Download our free apps for iOS and Android and keep up with all of our content at iaccessibility.net. If you'd like to donate to our show, hit the PayPal button on our website and get early access to our outtakes with a donation at patreon.com slash iacast. Thanks for listening.